Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and myself continue our discussion on Article 8 of the Augsburg Confession, What the Church Is. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I'm Pastor Brett Bow, and I have with me Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brian Rickey. Yes, we are in the New Testament with all these New Testamenty passages. Testaments. Yeah, I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> it's, I think we made it two whole episodes without <laughs> making a random 90s uh, pop culture reference. So there you mm-hmm. go. For people who grew up in if you know, you know, know, weird Christian culture from the 90s, you'll know exactly what a testament <laughs> is. Because we, you, we sure made up for it off the mic. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you, right. You, yes. you, in the 90s, you could not have gone to a Christian bookstore, which also a relic of the past, yeah. without seeing the testaments on the yep. cashier counter. Like, what you need are Jesus mints. <laughs> <laughs> Bible verses and fresh breath. Uh, yes. Oh, where's the shoes with the cross on them? Yeah, like exactly. Luther's quote. Mm, yeah. That's not vocation. We've got Amen. real yeah. vocation in right. the church coming up here. Yes. Yep. How's that for a segue? Hey, nice. Very good. Yeah, we are we are talking through um, scriptural passages, fleshing out the idea of the church. And today we're in 1 Corinthians 12. Yep. And of course, this is an expansion of Article 8 of the Augsburg mm-hmm. Confession, yep. what the church is. Yes. Yep, amen. So I I think I'll go ahead and read that for us. Uh, We're going to read 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 4 and going through verse 14. And I read in Jesus' name, it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to the utter... To the utter... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, to Sheep, not cows. <laughs> right. Oh. oh, back to verse 9. Uh, <laughs> To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, Mm -hmm. who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, although are... Although many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Here ends the reading today. Amen. Amen. That's such a powerful section of scripture. And of course, Paul is addressing what I have called a spiritual caste system that existed within Mm -hmm. the church of Corinth and that they ascribed as some gifts as being more holy than others and some being less important than others. And of course, this kicks against that. It also kicks against that everyone has the same spiritual gift and how it's dispensed by the one spirit according to God's will for each person. And as God sees fit for the moment, it, 
Yeah. You know, in, in my more cynical moments, I really wrestle with passages like this and wonder how entire wings of the Christian church today get this so wrong mm. and abuse this teaching mm-hmm. to corrupt the both the benefit and the teaching of the church. You know, it just it, it almost makes you angry the way people will run uh, in any direction with the doctrine of spiritual gifts and not see instead the beauty of the congregation mm-hmm. and of the church as it operates. It's that whole sheep thing. Yeah. I mean, we, ta- we, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, yep. and I'm telling you, sheep are stupid, you know? <laughs> though, though God loves us, uh, we are sheep prone to wander. Uh, uh, come thou fount. Prone to yeah. wander, Lord, I feel it, yeah. you know? That's really the reality of us, and that's why it's so important to be rooted in the Word of God and the correct teaching of Scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're going to talk, you know, really, we're looking at the nature of the church. This isn't mentioned. This isn't meant to necessarily be an itemized discussion of mm-hmm. the spiritual no. gifts. But just like with Matthew thirteen, and then just like with John ten, the operative element in what we're talking about is a person of the triune God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so this isn't you speaking in tongues, Brett, or you mm-hmm. with the gift of prophecy, Brian, or whatever. It's you know, look how many times in this passage the spirit mm-hmm. is mentioned. And again, if we tie this with the rest of scripture, this isn't the spirit as the great free agent mm-hmm. of the Trinity doing whatever he wills and wants. This is the Spirit acting consistently mm-hmm. with who God has revealed himself to be in Scripture. There's one Spirit and one Lord, the same Lord. And yes. so we're not talking about everyone doing what they want by their women fancy. We're not talking about everyone developing their own ecstatic prayer language mm-hmm. for selfish purposes. We're not talking about this. We're talking about how God has knit together this, you know, this ragtag bunch ragtag. of yeah. That's a great one. That's, what, <laughs> That's exactly what it is. And every yeah. congregation is just this random mm-hmm. group of believers that God has united around the word and yep. the sacraments by the spirit to be his kingdom here on earth. And what Paul's trying to get across is that God is intentional, that God is a God of order, not a God of chaos, and a God is a God of grace who dispenses according to his will. Mm -hmm. And if we miss those things by misappropriating or saying that one gift everyone can have and it's more important than the others, we have totally missed the point of this chapter. Well, and and we've talked about before, it's good to highlight again, with the spiritual gifts, there isn't a sense, one, that you have just one spiritual gift. So Mm -hmm. again, spiritual gift inventories drive me crazy. And if I'm going to eighth commandment spiritual gift inventories, the best thing I can say (laughs) is that they... uh, Put the most charitable construction on it. We're going we're gonna to try here really hard, but the, the best thing is they bring awareness to what some of the gifts might be. Mm-hmm. But there's no evidence in Scripture you have only one gift. Mm-hmm. There's no evidence in Scripture you have one gift for your entire life mm-hmm. that it might be changing. And, and, and it looks like here and in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 mm-hmm. and Ephesians 4 and, oh, I don't know, the rest of the New Testament that you might have a gift temporarily mm-hmm. or it might be a skill or a talent or an ability that God has blessed you with. It could be either or or both and, but the real message of spiritual gifts here is that God knows what 
he's doing. Yeah. That's the message. God puts together the church, uh, a bunch of people that we have nothing in common with. Yeah. And, and he molds that church in his image to accomplish his purpose on the planet. Hmm. That's how it works because it's not just right-handing kingdom stuff with the church. That's where God rules and reigns through the gospel. That's the purpose of the church. But we also remember that the church here on earth every Sunday is sending out its members into the world in their vocations. Right. And, And so part of the ministry of the church is that we are equipping the saints to do the work of God in the world around us as God hides himself in our vocations. Well, you know, as you were talking, I, I'm just, I think this is appropriate to do this. Uh, it, it brought me to Philippians 3 and how this is happening within the church where it says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I often have told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. The end, Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Mm -hmm. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And so there are so many people. I do too. Because so many people want to bring attention to themselves. And they're only seeking their own glory. And that's exactly what was going on in Corinth. And I'm telling you, it is alive and well in Mm -hmm. what I don't even know if I want to call it the church. But in what's called by the secular world. Christianity. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in the corruption of the doctrine of spiritual gifts, so that it becomes look at me, look at me, right. look at me, is a perfect example of how Satan works mm-hmm. within the church, right. little c church, mm-hmm. to deceive and corrupt yep. uh, and to take the attention and focus away from what God is doing. Preach your brother. Oh, yeah. man. And, and the purpose of those gifts is in verse 7. Uh, it's given for the common good. It, it's it's really t- you know ties in well with vocation of Ooh, it's vocation. yeah there you go uh, of God giving these gifts for the blessing of others yep. uh, and for the common good of the body of Christ. One, well, go ahead. We're going to talk about Ephesians four yep. next episode in that each is for the building up of the body, the equipping of the saints, and you go to uh, Hebrews ten. 25, do not neglect meeting of your, you know, of yourselves together for the mutual edification of the brethren. And that is so applicable now. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Yes. The purpose of the church coming together mm-hmm. is one, to receive the gifts of God for salvation and two, to build each other up because you know what? Being a Christian in the real world is hard. Through mm-hmm. word and sacrament. Yeah. Yeah. We're constantly under attack. Uh, We're constantly being tempted to sin. Uh, we carry with us our own sinful nature. It's, there, There is no promise in scripture that if you're converted, life is going to get better or easier. Yeah, the, one of the one of the things I probably struggle with the most is how the prosperity gospel, and it's not a gospel, um, has really crept into even Lutheranism and into even some of our own congregations. It is such, it is so contrary to scripture, and it, it is such a fallacy and a twisting of the reality of God's word that it, it actually infuriates me. It makes me so angry because what it is, is a bait and switch, and it's a lie. And I believe that in many cases, it's probably driven just as many people away from from Christ. And it's just such, it's, it's such a tragedy, in my opinion. So, uh, 
we are called to suffer. Suffering will come. We should not be surprised when these things happen to us. But yet in the midst of it, God's made provision through the gifts of the body of Christ to bear one another's burdens and to fulfill the law of Christ. And we are called to suffer in such a way that we don't seek out suffering and make suffering an idol, but God delivers us suffering in our vocations. Mm -hmm. That there's enough to do in our loving of our neighbor that the suffering will come as we love our neighbor. It kind of happens naturally. Yeah, Yeah. it does. But that's that's to distinguish the teaching of Scripture from where the Roman Catholic Church was at at the time of the Reformation is that you are pursuing self-prescribed suffering so you don't have to suffer in the ways God has appointed. And even in Philippians, it talked about asceticism and all all the things Mm -hmm before that. And so it's not that. It's yeah. not being a masochist and bringing pain on yourself right. or seeking it out. It is literally just, uh, don't be surprised when these things happen to you. Count it all joy, my yeah. brothers and sisters, when various trials happen to you. That's really the reality. Always yeah. trust in Christ. He's He, he knew it was going to happen. It's not a surprise to him. He's already made provision for us. And, and in all of those sufferings, there's the spirit at work in us. There's the empowerment. That concept comes through here of through the variety of, of what all of our experiences together, mm. it's the same Lord. Mm. He's empowering us. Uh, he's giving us uh, so much grace as he gives us these gifts. I mean, even as we talk off mic, each one of us has such a different perspective and a different framework of how we grew up and all of those things. But it's such a blessing to hear you know, your perspective, Brett, and yours, Jason, because it's so different than my own. And I think that we kind of come to the table thinking that there's only one normal no, but there isn't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> In a sense, I'm not saying that truth is flexible. What I'm saying is like our perspective perceives as though there's one normal, but we have to know that there's many normals because of the different personalities and the way people grew up. And there's an aspect to unity that can only be brought through the grace and mercy of Christ in how it's carried out in the life of the church. And I think how often, you know, again, we can talk as pastors and, and maybe it feels a little bit like inside baseball. It's not intended to be where we'll go through a frustrating situation in our own congregations or we'll get worked up about something or we'll just be discouraged about something or this, that, or the other <laughs> a thing. Swing and a miss. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, we, we talk to each other or another one of our friends and they instantly provide, provide a different perspective. And then you're just automatically soothed. They're like, oh. I totally get it, you know, yeah. but we're, we're in the moment. We're often only capable of seeing things from our own perspective and it's a distorted perspective. And this is itself a picture of the church, Yes, which is why the application to this section, you got all of the spiritual gifts, prophecy, tongues, uh, mm-hmm. utter this, utter that, like you were saying, uh, verse 12, to another, to another. Yeah. Verse 12 is the beautiful application of this for just as the, the body is one and has many members and all members are mem- all the members of the body though many are one body so it is with Christ the message to the broken the battered and the bruised believer is that if you are a part of a church you belong there yeah and it's really actually part of being a redeemed image bearer of god because god in and of himself has diversity mm-hmm. in the midst of unity three distinct persons yet one god these three are one and that's how we reflect the nature and character of god as redeemed image bearers of god yeah it's i mean you know i've had several over the over a decade of being in my own congregation as a pastor i've had several people uh, throughout the years kind of express, well, I really don't know what I'm doing, Pastor. I, I don't really have a contribution to make to the church. And I mean, even if the very bare minimum of what you do is show up on Sunday, mm-hmm. 
that's a contribution. You are there present yep. with other people. And, and, but if you really take Brian, the, you know, the, the major thing I've taken from you over the years is that as believers, we're called to a congregation just as much as pastors are called to a congregation. You, you Again, it's the knowledge that God knows what he's doing and no person is without value in the body of Christ. They're mm-hmm. contributing. I think it's God's way of dispensing the gifts that are needed in each congregation. That's why I feel that way. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's... It's the difference between uh, having a band, like trying to do this without sports. So having, <laughs> having why give in? But, but no, but think about it. Uh, if you if you took a band and it was populated with Eric Clapton and Eddie Van Halen and Jimi Hendrix and pick another amazing guitarist. Prince. Prince, Prince, okay? It wouldn't be a great band because they all play the same instrument and they all are really good at that one thing. But you have a good band that has a lead singer and a guitarist and a bass player and a drum player and the dude who plays the cowbell. Uh, (laughs) And and it's an amazing thing when it comes together. Uh, Absolutely. It's the same thing when you have a choir made up of singers versus a group of soloists. The choir is always going to sound better. And there's many bands, and this analogy carries out, that when they're together, they're kind of more than the sum of their parts. Mm-hmm. Whereas then when they break up, they're awful. You know, and I <laughs> I mean I've seen that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use any specific band. <laughs> I, I knew I, I could bait you with music. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm, te- I'm telling you, I have seen that happen a lot being in the music industry where it's like, man, they were so good. They broke up and they all tried to do their solo things and it was awful. Yeah. And there's just something about that. And I, I think that in a congregation, sure you're not going to get along with everybody. Sure you're going to have issues and everything. But this is the message of recognition reconciliation we've been entrusted to and this is why we strive for unity and peace not you know not um denying someone the opportunity to repent mm-hmm. not um soft peddling the word of god it's always speaking the truth in love but really embracing that message of repentance and the unity god calls us to I, I think it's really overlooked aspect of Christianity that the application of the gospel is quite often in scripture described as reconciliation. Mm-hmm. You know, you're right. You're in the congregation. You're going to have conflict. You're going to have petty arguments. You're going to have disagreements. Yep. You're going to have miscommunications. But the whole purpose of the gospel is to reconcile. And if we enter our congregations with the knowledge that there's not a single person in any congregation you're ever going to be a part of for whom Jesus hasn't died mm-hmm. and he has died for you and you carry with you into the congregation the same sin everyone else does. If we start putting that in perspective, we start preaching the gospel, we start applying the gospel with the sacraments on a regular basis, the outcome is unity. Yeah. And that's what the American church does wrong. Yeah, so and, many churches start with unity mm-hmm. and try to mold everybody into yep. some you know utopian vision. To, aiming for the byproduct without And I think yep. the only catalyst true catalyst for that is confession. You know, because the liturgy, the, the liturgy, yeah, it's like, I'm a, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, and I justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. We used to start our services that way, and many still do, but there's a beauty to that. It's like, oh, yeah, it reminds us I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. Um, I, I need to be humbled and to be a blind beggar at the foot of the cross. And, oh, wait a minute, they're in the same position as me. Yep. I need to extend grace to them. Exactly. We're not bringing to the table on Sunday morning our unique gift. 
giftedness because oh. it's not ours. It was given to us by someone else, by God, right? What we bring to the table on Sunday morning at the divine service is nothing but our sin and our shame. And yep. we, we bring it to the table and God takes it and he pins it to the cross with Christ mm-hmm. and we leave on Sunday morning as forgiven saints. Mm-hmm. Yes. All the same. Not without individual identities, but without individualism. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. there's a difference there. Individual identities mean we all operate in the same body as different parts so that the eye cannot say to the hand, you're yeah. not important. Right. The or, verses after yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Text. It yep. spells it out so that the mm-hmm. pancreas can't say to the spleen or, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, whatever. But that's the whole thing. We come with the same problem and we leave unique, uniquely equipped to serve in our congregation and to serve the world in our vocations yep. for the advancement of the kingdom. Yep. Amen. As, as being one of those another's. Yeah, there. we're one anothering, right? Yep. I, I, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> well, <laughs> and a lot of the use in there, we kind of forget that it's plural. Y'all, yeah. you know, Y'all. It's, it is. It, we it's, need the Texas Bible. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. I, I mean, I remind, you know, whenever I preach on. those texts, I always make sure I tell people this is a plural. Yeah. This well, isn't just an individualistic kind of a thing. This is part of the congregation. The biggest disservice modern translations do for Christians is that all the older translations, the ones that I grew up getting like my, my grandpa's Bible, mm-hmm. would space out the plural you. Mm-hmm. Like in the old KJV and stuff, so it would be Y space, O space, U. Oh, really? And you huh. would know that it was a plural U. They would do that. And they don't do that anymore in the modern I've translations. I've never seen that. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah, if you, you must be really old. I'm super old. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Coming from a guy who's older. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, go. I, yeah. I guarantee you, go to your church library next time you're in the office and find. see if you can find a Bible that was published like in the 30s or 40s. Uh, and especially... <laughs> much hate to say KJV and and you'll notice it and it was great because it it provided a built-in preaching point nice excellent do you have a verse for us I do and I was led to read um, 1 Peter chapter 2 I'm just going to read verses 1 through 5 so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the lord is good as you come to him a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of god chosen and precious you yourselves are like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to god through jesus christ amen Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as we wrap up our discussion on Article 8 of the Augsburg Confession, What the Church Is. God bless you and have a great week.